Hey, hey, hey. So today we're continuing the book study of Esther. We're like basically halfway through. And so today we're going over two more chapters, chapters five and six. And so like we did last week, I'm going to read chapter five, break it down, talk about it, read chapter six, break it down, talk about it. Um, but yeah, so go get your Bibles and let's get started. Chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. On the third day, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing it. The king was on his royal throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor in his eyes. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand toward Esther, and she approached and touched the tip of it. What is it, Queen Esther? The king asked her. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for them. The king said, hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking the wine, the king asked Esther, whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom will be done. Esther answered, This is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and perform my request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet, I will prepare for them. Tomorrow I will do what the king has asked. That day, Haman left full of joy and good spirits. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate, and Mordecai didn't rise or tremble in fear at his presence, Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai. Yet Haman controlled himself and went home. He sent for his friends and his wife, Zeresh, to join him. Then Haman described for them his glorious wealth and his many sons. He told them all how the king had honored him and promoted him in rank over all the other officials and royal staff. What's more, Haman added, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she prepared. I'm invited again tomorrow to join her with the king. Still, none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. His wife Zeresh and all his friends told him, Have them build a gallows 75 feet tall. Ask the king in the morning to hang Mordecai on it. Then go to the banquet with the king and enjoy yourself. The advice pleased Haman, so he had the gallows constructed. Okay, so that is all of um, chapter 5. It was pretty quick. But now we're just going to go back like we normally do and break each part down. So in verses 1 through 2, it starts off with saying on the third day. So this means the moment had arrived. And according to chapter 4 that we read last week, all of the Jews in Susa were called to fast for three days. And after the three days, Queen Esther was going to go and speak to the king. So this says on the third day. So the moment arrived. And so this was the moment that Queen Esther was going to speak to the king. So Esther got all dressed up in her royal clothing. And she stood in the inner courtyard. And the king was sitting on his throne. And so the king didn't request to see her. So technically Esther was breaking the law because... Um, Last week, we read um, in chapter four that if you approach the king without being summoned, your your punishment is basically death. 
So Esther was breaking the law because she wasn't summoned. But um, God was again at work in this situation because Esther gained favor. It says Esther gained favor in the eyes of the king. And he extended his golden scepter toward her, which gave her permission to approach him. So God was working in this situation. Now let's go on to verse 3. Now in verse 3, the king did not only let Esther approach him, he also gave her the freedom to request for anything. The text specifically said, even up to half the kingdom. So instead of the threat of death, God granted an open door for Esther to basically set her plan in motion, which is which is absolutely beautiful. Now we're going to jump to verses 4 through 8. So at this point, Esther invited the king and Haman to a banquet. So the king agreed and he sent someone to go get Haman. So during the banquet, the king told Esther again, whatever you ask will be given to you, even up to half the kingdom. Then um, Esther responded and she was like, my petition and request is for you to come back to dinner again tomorrow. So she's like, come back to the dinner tomorrow and I will present my petition and my request. So at this point, I'm wondering what happened. Like, why didn't Esther just say what she had to say right then and there? Like, did she get nervous? What happened? Was she like not ready to say something? But... Regardless of the reason, God, again, was still at work in this situation because she was able to meet up with the king and Haman again a second time the next day. So let's go to verse 9. So in verse 9, when um, Haman left the banquet, the text said he was full of joy and he was in good spirit. So this guy was pretty happy because he was the king's right-hand man and he had been invited to another dinner party by the queen. It was just going to be him, the king, and the queen. So he was he was pretty full of himself. He was happy. But um, while Haman was leaving, Mordecai, again, didn't rise to give him honor and... Haman was pretty mad. He's like, why isn't this Jew rising and giving me honor? Why isn't this Jew scared of me? And the text specifically said, Haman was filled with rage towards Mordecai. So Haman was, again, pretty mad. Like, very mad. Because he he was technically, I guess, being disrespected because Mordecai wasn't honoring him and bowing down and trembling in fear. So verses 10 through 13 now. So... At this point, we know that Haman was really mad because it says he was filled with rage towards Mordecai because Mordecai didn't give him honor and bow down to him. But verse 10 says that Haman controlled himself and then he went home. And when Haman got home, he told his friends and his family all about his wealth and how the king had honored him by making him over all the royal staff and also how the queen had invited him to a second royal banquet. So to me... To me, verses 10 and 11 and 12, this just sounds like Haman is full of himself and is just bragging about everything he has. Let me just clear this up. That's not what the text said, but to me, so don't, yeah, to me, it it really just sounds like Haman is full of himself and he's bragging about everything he has and everything he's been able to do. But even though, um, he was promoted above all the royal staff, even though 
Um, he was very wealthy, even though the king, even though the queen invited him to a second royal banquet, he still wasn't satisfied. Verse 13 said, still none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. So Haman still wasn't satisfied. He had wealth. He had rank over royal staff. He was invited to a royal banquet by the queen, but he still wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied because he knew that Mordecai, the Jew, who wouldn't honor him, was still breathing and still sitting at the king's gate. So that made him very upset. And he, no matter what he had, he wasn't satisfied because he had so much rage built up in his heart. Now let's go on to verse 14, the last verse of this chapter. It said, um, so in this part, um, Haman's friends and his wife Zeresh started speaking to him. So to solve this problem, his wife and his friends all suggested something. They were like, Haman, why don't you go ahead and build gallows? Build some gallows that are 75 feet tall and ask the king to hang Mordecai on them in the morning. And after Mordecai's hung on them, you'll be able to go to the queen's banquet in the evening with no troubles and just very happy and you'll be able to enjoy yourself. And so, the, yeah, basically, they're like, go ahead and kill Mordecai. Build these gallows, hang them on it, and then you'll be set. So Haman, he he loved this idea. It specifically said, the text said, the advice pleased Haman. So he had the gallows constructed. Haman liked this idea. idea. So that night, he began constructing the gallows. So that is the end of chapter 5. So now we're going to move on to chapter 6. And I'm going to read it all the way through to break it down how we just did chapter 5. So chapter 6 is also another 14 verses, so it should go by pretty quick. So chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. That night, sleep escaped the king, so he ordered the book recording of daily events to be brought and read to him. They found the written report of how Mordecai had informed on Bigthan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the entrance when they planned to assassinate King Ajuerus. The king inquired, what honor and special recognition have been given to Mordecai for this act? The king's personal attendants replied, nothing has been done for him. The king asked, who was in the court? Now Haman was just entering the outer court of the palace to ask the king to hang Mordecai on the gallows he had prepared for him. The king's attendants answered him, Haman is there standing in the court. Have him enter, the king ordered. Haman entered and the king asked him, what should be done for the man the king wants to honor? Haman thought to himself, who is it the king would want to honor more than me? Haman told the king, for the man the king wants to honor, have them bring a royal garment that the king himself has worn and a horse the king himself has ridden, which has a royal crown on its head. Put the garment and the horse under the charge of the one of the king's most noble officials. Have them clothe the man the king wants to honor, parade him on the horse through the city square, and proclaim before him. This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. The king told Haman, hurry and do just as you proposed. Take a garment and a horse for Mordecai the Jew, who is sitting at the king's gate. Do not leave out anything you have suggested. 
So Haman took the garment and the horse. He clothed Mordecai and paraded him through the city square, crying out before him, This is what is done for the man the king wants to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Haman hurried off for home, mournful and with his head covered. Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened. His advisors and his wife Zeresh said to him, Since Mordecai is Jewish, and you have begun to fall before him, you won't overcome him, because your downfall is certain. While they were still speaking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and rushed Haman to the banquet Esther had prepared. So that's all of chapter 6, and it got pretty intense. Um, So we're going to break it down again. So in verse 1, so the night of the banquet, the king wasn't able to sleep. Um, some will say he was dealing with insomnia, um, but the text says that he wasn't able to sleep. So he ordered the book recording of daily events to be read to him. So basically the night of the banquet, like I said, the king couldn't sleep. It was this very night that Haman thought that he was so amazing and he began the construction of the gallows for Mordecai. It was a night when Basically, God's people needed him to intervene. They needed him to intervene because Mordecai was going to die. So on this very night, the king couldn't sleep. The most powerful man in this empire couldn't sleep for some reason. And that reason is because God was keeping him awake and God was at work. So guys, God knows how to keep people awake in order to accomplish something. So the king, like I said, he had someone read to him a book that re- that recorded daily events. So in other words, he wanted the most boring book in his possession to be read to him. It was a book that recorded what happened every single day. This book wasn't interesting at all. It was just, yeah. So when um, I first read this, I was like, why is he having the book that records daily events read to him? And my idea is that maybe he was reading this boring book to make him sleepy it's not it didn't say that in the text that's just what I'm thinking so just take that with a grain of salt but I'm just thinking maybe he read the book to make him sleepy he wanted a book that was very boring just to make him tired but that's that's up for discussion um on to verse two and verse two um so when we went over chapter two Um, a few episodes ago, we read something and I told you it was important for later and it's important for chapter six. So when the king and um, his personal attendants, when they opened up the book of daily recordings, he came to the report of how Mordecai had informed that two eunuchs were planning on assassinating the king. So Mordecai saved the king's life. Guys, that very night, the king saw and realized that his life was saved by Mordecai the Jew. This is just so crazy to me because on the same night that Haman was plotting to kill Mordecai, the king had a sleepless night, which led him to realize that Mordecai had saved his life like a few years prior. So in a world, in a universe universe where God accomplishes his will by just his providence alone. We know that nothing, 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 nothing ever happens by chance. And there is never such thing as a coincidence. Y'all know already. So this situation wasn't a coincidence. 
coincidence. This just didn't happen by chance. So guys, like I have been saying this entire like season, even though God's name doesn't appear one time in this book, his fingerprints are everywhere. It's obvious he was working in this situation because Haman was plotting to kill Mordecai. On, and on the very night he was plotting to kill Mordecai, the king had a sleepless night in which he realized Mordecai saved his life. That is not a coincidence. That is not something that just happens out of nowhere by chance. Um, that's my rant. But let's go on to verse 3. So at this point in the chapter, the king wanted to know what had been done for Mordecai since he saved his life. He's like, what was the reward for this man who saved my life? And the king's personal attendants were like, nothing. Nothing's been done for this guy. Like, nothing. Like, no thank you, nothing. Um, and in verses 4 through 5, um, it shows that the king wanted to honor Mordecai right away. But he needed someone to carry out his plan. So at that moment, uh, Haman was just now entering the outer court to ask the king to hang Mordecai. And the king didn't know that. So he ordered Haman to enter into the court. So at the very moment when the king was figuring out a way to honor Mordecai, Haman was walking into the court about to ask the king to hang Mordecai. So let's move on to verses 6 through 9. So before Haman could even ask like the king for Mordecai to be killed, the king asked him a question. He was like, Haman, what should be done for a man that the king wants to honor? So um, in verse 6, um, it says, Haman thought to himself, who is it the king would want to honor more than me? So Haman was like, "Who? who's the king trying to honor? I should be getting honored. Who was the king trying to honor except for me? So <clears throat> Haman was fairly certain that the king wanted to honor him. So Haman suggested that the man that the king wants to be honored would be decked out in the king's robe and his royal crown and that an official led him on a horse throughout the city and that he should be praised. And basically, basically, having all of this done for a person would give them like a leadership role in this kingdom in, in Persia. So like I said, Haman suggested that whoever the king wants to honor should be decked out in the king's robe, royal crown, a horse, and he should be led throughout the city being praised. Now, in verses 10 through 11, these verses got me, guys. The Bible can be so funny at times, and for some people, they will just look at me and be like, Alyssa, you're you're weird, why is this funny? But, y'all, the Bible is so funny sometimes, because people, people will, um, well, you, you'll see. So, in verses 10 through 11, so after Haman went into great detail about how this person should be honored, not knowing it was Mordecai, the king told Haman, he's like, okay, great, hurry and do just as you proposed for Mordecai. He's like, the king was like, yeah, I love this idea of how we should honor this man. Now go and do exactly what you said for Mordecai. And that part just hit me. I was like, dang, guys, I can only imagine the look on Haman's face when he found out that he had to do all of this for Mordecai. He had to dress Mordecai in the king's robe, the royal crown, put him on a horse, lead him around the city, and praise him. I can only imagine 
Haman's face when he found out he had to do all of this for Mordecai. He had to do all of this for Mordecai, the man he hated, the man he was preparing the gallows for. And at that point, I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, wow. That just hit me. And it was it was just funny to me. But um, everything Haman had intended for himself, like all the praise he intended for himself, was going to be done for Mordecai. And on top of that, Haman was the one who had to lead all of it. He was the one who had to, like, organize all of it. And I was like, Haman deserved that. He was trying to kill this poor man. So he, <laughs> it was it was just funny. But in verse 12, let's go to verse 12. So Haman then returned home in shame after he had to parade Mordecai around the city and praise him. So, um... He returned, he returned home in shame because he was forced to honor the man who had refused to bow down to him. He had to honor the man who refused to honor him. So remember this, guys. This was supposed to be the day where Mordecai was executed on those gallows. Mordecai was supposed to be executed that day. But this day turned out to be a day where Mordecai was exalted. And all of this happened because God was, again, working behind the scenes. This only happened because God was working in the midst. It's not no coincidence. It's not by chance. It's because all that's mess. It only happened because God was working behind the scenes. Okay, now let's go to verses 13 and 14, the last of this chapter. So when Haman told his wife and friends what had happened, they basically told him that his downfall was certain. They were like, Haman, your downfall is certain at this point because you have fallen before a Jew. So they basically just were like, you're going to fall at this point. You're not going to succeed at all. And um, after that, the text said that the king's eunuchs rushed him off to the banquet that Esther was preparing. Or that she had prepared. Um, but that's the end of the chapter. It ends off with... Haman's family telling him that he's going to have a downfall. And then the king's eunuchs rushed Haman off to the banquet that Esther had prepared. Um, But that's all for today. But let me tell you guys, this is just the beginning of all... Well, it's not the beginning. It's it's just... It's starting off all the craziness that's about to go down. Um, So you're not going to want to miss the next few episodes especially next episode because a lot of stuff is going to happen and even if you already read esther all the way through you're still not going to want to miss next ep episode because it's just really cool to watch everything unfold like this is my second or third time reading the book and i honestly really enjoy rereading it and watching everything unfold because it just keeps reminding me of how amazing god is but um, I'm going to close up and just some encouragement I want to leave for y'all today. Um, there were so many events leading up to the events that we read today. It all started when Queen Vashti disobeyed the king. And guys, sometimes as humans, we'll think, why isn't God doing something right now? I need him to act right now. And... That's probably how some of the people in the book of Esther felt. They probably wanted God to act right then and there. But we need to remember that God is always weaving a whole series of people and events together to accomplish his goal, to accomplish his kingdom goal. And also remember, you are um, 
you're a representative of the kingdom of God. And since you're a representative of the kingdom of God, that means he wants to use you. But we have, if, when God wants to use us, we always have to keep in mind that like, God's kingdom and his planning is way bigger than you and me. And since his kingdom and his planning is way bigger than you and me, we're never going to fully understand what he has in store for us. But we always just have to remember and remind ourselves, especially for me, I always have to remind myself that God's timing is always absolutely perfect. Things may not happen when I want them to happen, but God's timing is always absolutely perfect. And we can just see that in chapters 5 and 6, is that his timing was perfect for Mordecai. Mordecai was supposed to be killed, but the very um, day that Haman was going in to ask the king to hang Mordecai, the king wanted to honor Mordecai. God's timing is perfect, guys. So the next time you have thoughts like, why isn't God doing this right now? I really need him to act right now. Why isn't God doing anything? Remember that his timing is perfect. Remember that he has a plan that's bigger than you and me. And we can't understand it because our brains aren't able to comprehend stuff like that. We just have to remember that his plan is bigger than you and me. And his timing is absolutely perfect. And everything will work out exactly like he has planned. It might not be what we had planned, but it's it's going to be absolutely amazing. But that is all for today, guys. Um, make sure to come back next Wednesday to um, go over chapter 7. Chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10 are going to be intense, so don't miss it. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for today. And thank you for bringing the listener to this podcast to listen. They could have listened to anything else, but they chose to listen to this podcast. And Lord, I pray that they learn something new today and that they're able to take what they learned and um, just dig deeper into it or share it with someone um, they're close to. But Lord, we're like 12 or 13 days into 2021 and it has been absolutely crazy it's no surprise because you have told us in your word that the closer we get to your return the crazier the world is gonna get um but lord please just continue to remind um us the church why we are here and what we are called to do Lord, we're called to preach we're called to Um, go into the world and preach the gospel to everyone you have told us you told us in mark that we need to go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation so lord please remind us that please remind us that we're here for that reason we're not here to do do anything else but to go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation yes it's fine to have fun it's fine to live life it's it's fine to go to school go to work fall in love that's fine but you have called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel so lord please continue to remind us when our mind goes astray from that please just refocus us lord lord god please allow myself and the listener to stay curious to learn more about you i say that every single week and i mean it every single time Lord, I want to be more curious. I want to learn more about you. 
Lord, on the days where myself or the listener don't feel like reading our Bibles, don't feel like praying, because there are days like that, please just push us. Please push us to just read. Please push us to pray. Because when we're not in our word, when we're not in prayer, when we're not communicating to you, when we're not communicating with you, that's when the devil likes to sneak up and cause issues. So please, Lord, just please just um, push us and convict us to just stay in constant communication with you through prayer and through your word. Lord, thank you for everything. Thank you for life. Thank you for friendship. Thank you for family. Thank you for thank you for your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.